This is The Doctor Is In, your bi-weekly podcast that discusses all things technical and not so technical. The Doctor Is In podcast is produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, and sponsored by DX Engineering, helping you shrink the globe. See their website at www.dxengineering.com. And now, here's your host, QST editor Steve Ford, WB8IMY, and the doctor himself, Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Hello, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY. And I'm Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Joel, we're going to play Mythbusters today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've met her, Mythbuster. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare yourself for controversy. No, it, I want to talk about, Joel, the legendary, I'm putting that in quotes, G5RV antenna, you know, designed by Lou Varney so many years ago. And as you know, in the ham community, it really does have a legendary status. People will say, oh, the G5RV, if you get that, you just put this wire in your yard and you can work the world and work all these bands and have a low SWR and so on. But Joel, what is the truth <laughs> What is the truth of the G5RV? The truth is it works great for some people and not so great for others. And that's um, because of a number of reasons. Lou Varney uh, described this um, in 1946, I guess. uh, And it didn't get published until 1958. But keep in mind, in 1946, there were only four HF amateur bands, 80, 40, 20, and 10 meters. And so if he's talking multi-band antennas in 1946, those are the bands he's talking about. There are no other handband. So that's one thing to keep in the back of your mind as we discuss this. But the G5RV is just a 102-foot center-fed dipole, not particularly resonant on any band. In fact, actually, it is almost resonant on 30 meters, the one band it doesn't work on at all (laughs) (laughs) for other reasons. But like any center-fed dipole, it will radiate any energy you get to it. And that's the key to why it may work for some and not for others, because the transmission line in between is the key. Now, Varney's antenna used a half-wave matching section, which, of course, a half-wave transmission line repeats the impedance at the other end. So on 20 meters, the impedance was, oh, let's say uh, it was a, well, let's start back up a little bit. The the antenna, 102-foot antenna is about three-halves of a wavelength on 20 meters. And as such, it has an impedance of about 100, 125 ohms. And it's resonant. It can be resonant on that band. And if you repeat that impedance at the bottom of that 30-foot, 32-foot matching section, whatever you used, of open wire line, you get the same 125-ohm impedance on 20 meters. And that was open wire line. Was that that 450-ohm or 600-ohm or...? It was um, in between. Okay. <laughs> I think his it was specified as uh, 565 ohms or something. I don't know. All right. But uh, again, on 20 meters, it doesn't really matter. It, it'll repeat the impedance no matter what the transmission line characteristic impedance is on that band, but it will have a different effect on every other band. Keep in mind, in 1946, people weren't using coax yet. That's true. They were using, um, and he used 72-ohm uh, window line, not window line, um, Parallel transmission line, twin lead, 72-ohm twin lead, which used to be available. I used to have some. From that point down to the link-coupled transmitter that he was using when he did just adjust the loading by moving the link in and out. And in those days, nobody measured standing wave ratio or even talked about it because it was very difficult to measure in balanced transmission line. 
That's true. And with most balanced transmission line, uh, 72 ohm twin lead being an exception, the losses weren't that great anyway, so nobody really cared too much. If you could get the power into it by adjusting your transmitter, you were done. That was it. Signal went out, and it worked fine. And you didn't care what the SWR exactly. was, really. And you didn't even know what it meant. And most that was true of most people, or, or many hams in those days. So fast forward to uh, current situation. Well, we now, everybody knows what standing wave ratio is, and everybody knows it has to be just one-to-one -to, -one to work well, right? They're <laughs> Not, totally obsessed with it, in Absolutely fact. right. This is a, perhaps another discussion. But well, We've uh, talked about this, but yeah. we should talk about it again sometime. We could but just keep talking anyway, about it like yeah. a lot of people, like 75 meters. Just talk about it over and over <laughs> until, until people understand it, which may take a long time. But um, you may want to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> so we use coax feed instead of the 75 ohm line, and, and hopefully you put a common mode choke in between so the signal stays on the transmission line rather than going around it on the outside. What happens there is it will not be a good match to your 50 ohm transmission line on not even the four bands that were <laughs> bands back then, but, but now we have nine HF bands, depending on how you count 60 meter channels and so forth. And to hope that this antenna will magically provide a good match on all those bands is kind of um, wishful thinking, I think. It, it, just, it just can't do it. And the other thing about the G5 RV that I, and I've used them and I've had good luck with them, but you have to understand what they do and what it takes to make them work well. There are only two possible adjustments to a G5 RV, the length of the flat top wire and the length of the transmission line matching section of open wire line or, or perhaps window line. And that gives you two adjustments for nine bands. Oh. There's no way you can no. <laughs> make that all come out even. A and B, it's never been obvious to me which way you want to adjust things. Like in a dipole, you know, you want to go on a lower frequency, you make it longer. Well, that's not exactly obvious on a G5 RV, which way you want to go with which of those two things to make a particular change. Sometimes it is. But anyway, so it'll work. It'll have a reasonable SWR on some amateur bands. With the exception of some um, specialized antennas that we've discussed in a few uh, Doctors in columns in the magazine, very few antennas will operate well over all of 80 meters with a low standing wave ratio. Like the typical half-wave dipole, if it's designed for the center of the band, will have a 5 to 1 SWR at the edges. So you certainly can't expect a G5 RV, which is even shorter than a regular one, to somehow come out even on that and work across the band. So you can make it work on... Some frequency on 80 meters and typically on some on 40. And in my experience, you'll find a work on maybe on 20. And beyond that, you're lucky if you get anything close to a match. How do the manufacturers deal with that? Oh, easy. They provide one I bought had 100 feet of RG8X. Now, as you probably know, having a lossy piece of transmission line tends to reduce the apparent SWR. Yes. So even though you may have a high SWR at the antenna, and as a result, losses in the transmission line, at the bottom of the transmission line, it'll look pretty good. Yeah. So the longer the transmission line, the better the SWR looks. And oh, by the way, the longer the lossy transmission line, the less signal gets to the antenna yes. and gets radiated. So That's you know, awfully deceptive. Yeah, you see your SWR looks great. And you can hear people, especially on the lower frequency bands, because they tend to be atmospheric noise limited and the atmospheric noise and signal goes down together with the loss. So you can hear everybody great, but they can't hear you. So, you know, that's sort of rule one. If you want a G5 RV to work well, have a short section of low loss coax below the matching section. Now, the good news is that'll be lower loss. The bad news is the SWR will be fairly high and you'll need a wide range tuner to tune it. But still, that may be a reasonable trade-off for a lot of people because the standing wave ratio, while not low enough to work with your transmitter directly, is not all that high and it usually can be matched with a tuner. So what I found was... 
If you have low-loss transmission line and a good 10-to-1 wide-range tuner, a G5RV can be quite effective. Now, the you know, of course, it has a different pattern in every band, but if you know what that pattern looks like, and I used to have it plotted out carefully, you know where to, uh, what band to look for de-expeditions on and which bands they'll be in the null from that particular azimuth. And you can make effective use of it. And I, I used it very effectively for some years. But then I eventually I got tired of the loss in the coax. Instead of using the window line as a matching section, I just ran window line all the way back to the tuner. And it worked great on all the bands. And I had low loss. And it even worked on 30 meters, which the uh, original G5 RV won't. So you can make the antenna work well. And in fact, Varney suggested using uh, window line back to the tuner and using the tuner to make it work well on all bands. Earlier than that, I read something he wrote. It said, well, if you want to match it on other bands, just, just raise and lower the antenna to the point where, this, where it matches your transmitter well, which changes <laughs> the impedance, of course. Well, you know, that's, that's well, yeah, possible, yeah. but uh, it's not necessarily easy to do from your operating position usually. So, you know, he recognized that there were limitations there as well. So there's nothing magical or really all that special about the G5RV. Is that what you're saying? That's true. I mean, it is a center-fed dipole that's not particularly resonant except on 30 meters. Well, I mean, in my case, I have a 102-foot wire dipole antenna. I'm feeding it with 450-ohm windowed line, and that goes down to my remote antenna tuner, and then, of course, coaxial cable on into my station. Technically, that is not a G5RV, but uh, it works well for me. Well, the antenna itself, the radiating portion, is a G5RV length, mm -hmm. and that works very well. And here's one of the things, you know, we talk about a center-fed ZEP, which is typically, for example, in my case, I have a half-wave 80-meter dipole fed with window line that I use on all bands, and it works quite well. But the problem with that is it is resonant. It has a very high impedance on uh, 40 meters, 20 meters, 50, I don't know, all of harmonics, and that can be very hard to match at the bottom. Having a non-resonant antenna like the G5RV avoids that very high impedance problem and may be easier to match your tuner than a full-size center-fed ZEP would be. So actually, that's a big advantage of that length, and it, it has a reasonable pattern, and it's, uh, it is what it is, but I, I found it actually very useful in that, in that mode. Yes. Well, let's hear from DX Engineering, Joel, and we shall return. Ever talk to a salesperson who didn't know the difference between a rotator and a rotary phone? Or a Yagi and a yo-yo? Or a ballon and a ballerina? You'll never have that problem with DX Engineering. When you call us, you'll talk directly with knowledgeable amateur radio experts, people who speak your language. When you contact DX Engineering, you're dealing with operators who are as passionate about the hobby as you are. This means better service, expert technical advice, and a commitment to your complete satisfaction, even long after your purchase has been made. Whether you're newly licensed or a long-time operator, you'll always find a friendly ham who understands exactly what you need on the other end of the line. Plus, you'll find a huge selection of amateur radio equipment, get the fastest shipping in the ham universe, and shipping is free on most orders over $99. Let's talk about your station. Visit us at dxengineering.com. That's dxengineering.com. And we're back, Joel, and I have a kind of a lengthy question from Ken, N2DF, and uh, he's asking, I have a magnetic mount antenna that was originally designed to extend the range of a cell phone. I replaced the original whip with one 19 inches long that allows me to use the antenna on two meters. 
I measured the SWR and found that it's essentially flat over the entire 2 meter band while applying low power from a mobile rig. If I switch to higher power, the SWR increases to 1.8 to 1. Does this mean the SWR meter contains nonlinear components? What then is the true SWR, the one I measured at low power or the one I observed at high power? I also noticed that the SWR is very acceptable over 440 to 450. Can we conclude, therefore, that this one quarter leg 2-meter antenna is also resonant on the 70-centimeter band. What do you think? Well, that's that's a couple of questions. But let's see. The first one is with the SWR measurement. SWR meters do include nonlinear elements. There are diodes in there that are used to provide the uh, signals to, your, to the meter, and they are nonlinear. And exactly where you are in their operating curve may or may not uh, determine how linear they are. Normally, it should be taken care of in the meter uh, calibration itself, but it's hard to tell exactly what a particular meter is going to do. And in fact, I suspect it's not the meter, though. It's more likely that it's it's a problem in the antenna impedance being different. And how could that be? Well, higher power will result in heating of some kinds of things. Now, you've taken an antenna that you don't know what's in the base of it. There may have been some kind of a matching network. It may have uh, ferrite material in it as part of it. And um, if so, applying additional power more than it was designed to handle on frequencies it was, wasn't designed to work with could result in some heating, and that can change the characteristics of the device. In fact, it can crack the ferrite so that after a while it always reads oh, wow. <laughs> 1.8 to 1. Another thing that's possible is that you don't say exactly what the conditions are where you measure it. Now, typically, the low power that you're measuring perhaps is from your mobile rig in the car, and you're in the car measuring it. Perhaps the higher power is... Um, from a different transmitter and you're standing outside the car and you're standing near the antenna, that will make a big difference in what you read. So there are a number yes. of things. It's, it's a little hard to tell what's going on. The uh, other side of it is because the line transmission line lengths are fairly small and the additional loss due to a 1.8 SWR is not that great anyway, I would just not worry about it and say, you know, I got this antenna for free, so I'm just going to use it. <laughs> so that's that. Now, as to the dual band kind of thing, a quarter wave two meter antenna is three quarter waves on 70 centimeters, roughly, depending on where you are in the band on each of the bands. And um, that will work quite well. In fact, um, a quarter wave antenna has an impedance of 36 ohms at the base. And a three quarter wave resonant antenna has an impedance of about uh, half of 120 ohms, 60 ohms. So actually the SWR on, on 70 centimeters may be better than that on, oh, yeah, on yeah. two meters. And it will radiate. It does not have a perfect pattern. Some of the energy is going at higher angles, but it has as much of the energy going at low angles where you want it along the horizon as a quarter wave would. Now, if you say, I, okay, if I have that 19-inch length and I want to optimize it for 70 centimeters, I could make it into a two-element collinear and have even more at the low angles. But what you got will work as fine as a quarter wave 70 centimeter antenna. Enjoy okay. it and, and think of the value you got for that free antenna. That's true. Thank you, Joel. My pleasure. If you have a question for the doctor, email us at doctor at ARRL.org. The Doctor is In podcast is sponsored by DX Engineering at www.dxengineering.com. Background music provided by Purple Planet at www.purple-planet.com. This podcast is copyright ARRL. All rights are reserved. Until next time, I'm QST Managing Editor Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY, 73, and thanks for listening.